Amen. Good morning, Calvary. Good morning to our online listeners as well. What a great crowd this morning. Obviously, we're excited about the baptisms. We're excited about what God is doing. And if you haven't been here, we've been talking about a series called In Him. And today we're actually starting a new series called The Holy Spirit. I want to dive right into the scriptures. So we're going to be looking at John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. John 14, verses 15 through 17. Here's what it says. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be with you. So this verse, these verses are very, very important because they contain all three elements of the Trinity. They contain Jesus speaking, who is the Son, to the Father, and he's referring there to the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get into the, the what, the how, and the when of the Holy Spirit and, and why that's so important. And the reason that we're doing this is because Jesus is talking about how important it is to focus on Him. So we just concluded this series called In Him, and here's what we were covering there. In Him, there is a plan. In Him, that plan has been fulfilled, and we now have a way to have a relationship with God Himself both now and forevermore. And as we have established this relationship, because Jesus came and he, he lived a perfect life in the Christmas story, Emmanuel, Christmas is coming, right? Tuesday, I'm decorating, get ready for it, okay? Christmas is coming because it's already come. And when Jesus came, he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for you and for me. And he was buried in a tomb, but the tomb could not contain him. And ain't nobody found nobody because he is alive and then he has ascended back into the heavens with Father. And if you have a relationship with Jesus, you get to live with him both now and forevermore. And in him, we have a purpose. And in him, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is mysterious. And I, I want to just start by saying as we go into this series that if you were expecting to have all the answers on the way that the Holy Spirit works. You can spend the rest of your life trying to understand how the Holy Spirit works. And there is a part of us that just needs to understand God is divine. We are human. Do you get that? But we can know the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is knowable. We're going to get into how today and what today. And next week we're going to talk about how to, it guides us and directs us. But as we understand this Holy Spirit, there's a faith component that has to take place. And faith is believing in what we cannot see or fully comprehend. So yes, the Holy Spirit is mysterious. And, and that's important for us to know. It's important for us to think through and, and to go, but we can know the Holy Spirit. So because the Holy Spirit is mysterious, there's been kind of two ways to approach the Holy Spirit through our lives. And some denominations put probably too much emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And what I mean by that is they, they, they obsess over the Holy Spirit to the detriment of the way that the Trinity actually functions. The Trinity is the idea that there are three persons of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but the three are one. Let me say that again. The Trinity says that there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the three are one. But some 
denominations as they obsess over it make it all about the Holy Spirit, and that's bad. But maybe you grew up in a denomination or a background kind of like my background, which kind of ignored the Holy Spirit, and that can be equally bad. Like an ostrich who sticks its head in the sand not knowing how the Holy Spirit moves in our lives robs us from what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is intended to do in our life. And so as we, we take a deeper dive into that, I want to start first by covering some common misunderstandings of the Holy Spirit. And the first one is this. The Holy Spirit is a lesser form of God. The Holy Spirit is not a lesser form of God. The Holy Spirit is fully God. This reminds me of uh, the great professor Art Allen at Howard Payne University, home of the mighty and fighty yellow jackets. Sting them. Um, and when I was there, he, there was these bell towers, and, and Dr. Allen loved to tell his Baptist history class about how much he did not like the bell towers, because the bell towers were a gift from a pseudo-rich alumni. It was Howard Payne. You can imagine it wasn't the most rich person in the world, but they donated these bell towers, and the bell towers had existed for like 40 years, but there was a problem with the bell towers. The bell towers were supposed to be symbolic of the Trinity, but when they put up the bell towers, they made one of them taller than the other two that was supposed to represent the Father, and Dr. Allen wanted us to all know that was really poor theology. The Father is not more important than Jesus, which is not more important than the Holy Spirit. They are all fully God. We're going to come back to that here in a little bit. The second, the Holy Spirit is a replacement for Jesus, is a misunderstanding. And yes, this verse we just read says, When I go away, I will leave for you a counselor. But that is not a replacement. We are to look to Jesus' example. This is the Christmas story. We are to pray to the Father. And as Jesus has gone up to be with the Father... The Holy Spirit is still with us, but the Holy Spirit is not a replacement. They just serve in different functions and different roles. You got it? Okay. Third misconception. The Holy Spirit comes when you need it. <laughs> I love this one. Well, that was that bad, Daniel? Because the Holy Spirit never leaves. As we just saw, we are symbolizing the baptism as you were buried in the ground. We are baptized. We're going to read the word baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's symbolic. It is the, literally the word immersed. We are immersed in the resurrection of Christ. We are immersed in the power of God. We are immersed and the Spirit never, ever leaves us. We just have to understand how to navigate the Spirit, how to be aware of the Spirit. We're going to come back to that again in a minute too. And the fourth one is kind of one that's more because I grew up in this environment, um, not because of my family, but this is just kind of the denominational view of the Holy Spirit, okay? It was the Holy Spirit's primary role is to calm us. In other words, the only time you bring out the Holy Spirit is when chaos is going on. And so we come to the place where we say the fruits of the Holy Spirit are peace, love, but we overemphasize the Holy Spirit's job is peace in the middle of a storm. The Holy Spirit is to calm us, and the only time we ever ask for the Holy Spirit to do anything is when chaos is around us. The Holy Spirit does calm us, but the reason the Holy Spirit calms us is because it connects us with God, because He is God. And as we learn to navigate this world with the presence of God, our life will change. Those were all misconceptions. Those were free. You're welcome. So Daniel, that's what the Holy Spirit is not. What is the Holy Spirit? Let's reread those verses. John 14, 
15 through 17. It says, If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it, it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. You do know, our, our statement around here is that we are followers following Jesus. We follow Jesus, but as Jesus has now ascended into heaven, it says here, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor. The word another there is the word alos. It means another, <laughs> but of similar, uh, similar qualities. It's this idea of uh, equal. So I described the uh, analogy of the Trinity here a little bit by giving you an illustration. Any illustration of the Trinity will break down at some level. So I'm going to first tell you how the Trinity is like the following example, and I'm going to follow it up and say how it is definitely not like this, okay? I want you to imagine the Trinity is like water, right? What is water? H2O. Water can be in three different forms though, right? Liquid, steam, and ice. No one wants to talk about ice, right? Because it means winter is coming. But as all three of those elements, water, or the liquid, the steam, and the ice, are feel different, have different functions, they're all still H2O. That's one comparison of the way to view the Trinity. The problem with that illustration is it highlights an erroneous theology called model, modalism. And that's that water cannot be at the same time steam, cannot be at the same time a solid in the form of an ice, or a liquid. It can only be at one of those. The Spirit is all three at once. And so the three persons of God does not go from a puppet form to a puppet form to a puppet form. They are all three at once, operating and sinking and working together. I'm going away, and I will leave with you an, another counselor who is going to be doing stuff while I do stuff in heaven. Another counselor. The word counselor there is the word paraclete. I grew up the word hearing that the Spirit of God meant paraclete. That's the Greek pronunciation of the word. It's fun to say too. Paraclete. Sounds like an exotic bird, but it's not. Um, that's a parakeet. But the paraclete, okay, the way that it operates is this idea of counselor. In fact, the definition of a paraclete is as following, call to one's aid, advocate, or guide. And even though I grew up hearing that the, the counselor is the, the main definition of the idea of spirit, it's actually only used five times in the New Testament. But those five times are important. And so the idea that the Holy Spirit is our advocate or guide is important because the Spirit lives within us and advocates or guides us in truth. He guides us in truth. Here's why this is important. God will reveal himself to you and you and you and you and you and you and you in three ways. What are the three ways that God reveals himself? He reveals himself in truth through his word, his scripture. We believe that God's word is found in the Bible, that God has used those words to, to allow us to connect with him. But we don't view the Bible as a rule book, but as rather a revealing of a way to us connect with the Father through the Son as guided by the Holy Spirit. 
So that when you read his scripture, what happens is the word of God begins to speak to you and guide you in truth. That's important. Here's why that's important. The second way that God reveals himself is through all of you. If you have a relationship with Jesus, God will use you to reveal himself into the lives of other people. How do I know that? I doubt any of you, if any of you, very few of you, ever came to Christ or a relationship with Jesus because you were walking down the road and all of a sudden you heard a voice saying, you, you need me. I mean, that happened, right? That's the story of Saul who became Paul. But more than likely, you had an aunt, a grandparent, a parent, a friend, a cousin, an enemy who really wanted you to change. Somebody in your life introduced you to Jesus, and they revealed the truth of God. Here's the other part of that. I'm a pastor. I study God's Word a lot. Y'all, I could be wrong. And so as you study the Word of God, and as we all study the Word of God, we gather together and God reveals Himself in the church, which is why it's so important that we gather together constantly. It's why it's so important that we gather together because we need each other to point each other to Christ. So be faithful to the church. Be faithful to the study. And our hope as we learn how to grow in our mature relationship with the Holy Spirit is that we as a church are stronger together revealing God's Word. The third way he reveals himself is through our experiences, which is the most dangerous because, as Danny Carver used to say, the devil made me do it. Sometimes Christians say, God made me do it. Like the guy in high school, you may have heard me say this, who goes up to the girl and says, hey, I think God's telling me to break up with you. That is a terrible, terrible thing to say. Guys, don't ever do that. Ladies, don't do that either. But if someone ever does say that to you, here's what you say. The Holy Spirit didn't tell me that, so we're staying together, okay? (laughs) Just call them out on it. But the idea here is, as you experience God, there are times in your life, and it's hard to understand, except that if you've been there, where you're sitting there going, God really wants me to do this. Or God reveals himself in a worship song that says, I'm here. Or the, the Holy Spirit just points you in a direction and it gives you wisdom and understanding or, or peace in the storm or, or guidance in just the right moment. And, and in those moments, as we learn to trust in the Spirit of God, we begin to understand how to navigate our life. So how do we do that? By continuing to understand what the Holy Spirit is. Because the other word for Holy Spirit in that passage says, in verse 17, He is the Spirit of truth. He will lead us to truth as He is the guide and the counselor. But that word spirit there is the word nevma in Greek, or pneuma, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Do you want the old Greek or the new Greek? I don't care. I say the word nevma because that's what I learned, but most people refer to it as pneuma. But here's what that really translates. It means to draw breath or blowing wind. You realize that the most common use of the Holy Spirit is this idea of holy wind, holy breath. Now, I don't know about you. I didn't wake up this morning thinking, how many times am I going to breathe today? What if I stop breathing today? Well, we all know what happens if we stop breathing, right? But the Spirit of God is supposed to be like your breath. Everybody breathe in. Breathe out. The Spirit of God should be moving in and out of you like that. It's not something that we put on a shelf when we 
needed occasionally. The Spirit of God should be there with us. And though we don't always pay attention, it is an essential factor of our life. And it's important to understand that the Spirit is always moving, is present, and is moving in our lives. And so as we learn to discern and focus and, and pay attention to the Spirit of God as He moves as a blowing wind, as He moves in the breath in our lungs, then this will change us and help us to mature in our faith as we look to Jesus as our example in praying to the Father. Now, I'm going to get a little geeky out on you here for a second and talk a little science. I don't normally talk science because I'm not an expert at it, but I did some research this week, okay? So we can't see the wind, but we know the wind exists, right? How do you see the wind? Well, you see the wind because it picks up object or dust. It blows the clouds, right? You, you can see the wind's effects all around you if you pay attention to it. But most of the time, we don't go, look, there's the wind. We go, there's leaves rustling, right? There's my hair blowing. And this idea of the wind is powerful, and sometimes it's just very calm, and sometimes it's powerful, but it is always moving around us. You can see the wind even though you can't see it. You can feel the wind. Do you know that gas molecules are pushed against your skin constantly? And that when enough of them push against your skin you feel it as a slight breeze. When a lot of them push against your skin, it feels like a strong breeze. So think about this. You feel the wind when you have a bunch of pressure of gas molecules impacting on your epidermis. Kids, epidermis means skin. If you didn't know that, go... Uh, make all your friends nervous by saying your epidermis is showing. That was free. Okay. This idea of these gas molecules colliding on your skin constantly and, and rubbing against you is how you feel. Have you ever felt God move? And we can hear the wind. We hear the wind by movement of objects that creates vibrations in the air known as longitudinal pressure waves which can travel to your ears as soft rustling or louder whooshing noises. I practice that. Whooshing. It's fun to say. Those loud whooshing noises, right? As they, 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 they begin to impact our lives and, and sometimes we sit there and go, oh, what's going on? Oh, that's the wind. It's actually not the wind. It's the tension of the wind hitting our ears. Tension. That's the key word that's found in all of those. The tension, you see the clouds because the tension of the wind hitting and pushing the clouds. You see the leaves move because the tension of the wind moving against the leaves. You, you, you can hear because the tension of the vibrations. You, you can um, feel it as it picks up. It's the tension as it lifts it up. It's the tension. The tension of the wind is all around you and it is in you. Did you know that at sea level, the atmosphere pushes down on you at a weight of approximately 14.7 pounds per square inch? Let that sink in, literally and figuratively. 14.7 pounds per square inch. But here's the cool part. You don't feel this weight as a burden because the air inside of you pushes back with an equal force. So without the air inside of you pushing back, you would feel an enormous 
immovable, stuck-in-my-place kind of burden. Do you get that? Some of you are very adept at pastor parallels, and you already see where I'm going. Some of you are like, I do, but tell me anyways. What is the Holy Spirit but a living, breathing force that operates in you against the tensions and the pressures of this world? Oh, I can't imagine functioning in this world without a real and present God guiding me and directing me and navigating. And, and yes, there will be great obstacles. There will be the cancer. There will be the loss of job. There will be the struggles, the heartaches. There will be the strokes, the, the death. There, there will be the celebrations too. But in the tensions of this world, this world can feel overwhelming and, and seem to be a, a too heavy of a burden for us to carry. But there is a force that God gives you, the very presence of himself that not only works against these, but allows you to not feel the burden, the tensions of this world when we allow it to operate in us as it should. So what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a life surrender to Jesus that will receive and be marked by the power of the Holy Spirit. The what of the Holy Spirit is a life surrendered to Jesus that will be uh, marked by the power of the Holy Spirit. We find that in Acts 1. I'm just going to go and skip on down to verse 7, saying that for the people in the back. Verse 7, he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive the power that's the greek word dunamos or where we get the word dynamite you will receive the dynamite power of the holy spirit when it comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth so check it here's the what of the holy spirit the holy spirit is fully god that lives within you the holy spirit does not need a lot of attention or acclamation in fact the bible tells us that we are to look to Jesus and pray in the name of Jesus who advocates to the Father. We are to pray to the Father. How do we know that? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. So the Holy Spirit's not sitting here going, pray to me, pray to me. No, the Holy Spirit works as an advocate or a counselor to guide us to look to Jesus as we stay focused on the Father and to the next life. You get it? Now, Just because we don't pray to the Holy Spirit does not mean we neglect the Holy Spirit. But rather, the Holy Spirit comes alive in us when we look to Jesus and pray in the name of the Father. So here's our daily training for this week. Our daily training is we want you to begin soften your heart. And by the way, come back next week because you're going to learn how to, the how of this works. How does the Holy Spirit operate next week? Say, I'm going to be in Cancun next week. First of all, good on you. Secondly, there's this thing called yourcalvary.info, and you can watch that, okay, there. But we pray, Father, help the Holy Spirit to move in me. And you can even add the in Jesus' name there. Father, help the Holy Spirit to move in me. Help me to sense the rustling, the tension. Help me to, to feel the presence. Help me to grow up and mature as I, because the church that's walking in the Holy Spirit by looking to Jesus will live for the glory of God. Last caution. 
What does that say? Verse 8 of Acts 1. But you will receive power of the Holy Spirit and you come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let us not confuse that the Holy Spirit, although it does help us, many of us pray the following. Holy Spirit, help me to know who to marry. Great prayer, except that that's the only thing you pray. Holy Spirit, would you show up in my life and help me to know how to navigate this problem? The Holy Spirit does not exist just for the benefit of you. In other words, the Holy Spirit's not for you to live your definition of your best life. But rather, your best life comes when you live for the glory of the Father. You got it. So kids, Jesus, would you help me to have a, an A on this test? Did you study? The Holy Spirit should guide you to study and then have good concern and recollection. College students looking at you too. Right? But ultimately, the Holy Spirit, which is an advocate of our life, will guide us to serve as advocates ourselves for the glory of God. You want to let the Holy Spirit come to life in your, alive in your life? You got to live a life that allows you to say, may Christ be glorified. We sing to Jesus. We, we glorify the name of Jesus. We exalt the name of Jesus. We look to the Father. We prayed in the name of the Father. And we ask for His Spirit to move to glorify the Father. This is how the Holy Spirit works. Now, the practical application, once again, is next week. But the what is the Holy Spirit is an advocate that functions to connect us with Jesus as we look to the Father. So can we do that? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we'd love to tell you how he came and died for you how you can receive God himself in the form of his spirit and he will help you navigate this life and so much more. We'd love to talk to you after the service. There'll be several of us down front. If you want us to pray with you, we'd love to do that as well. But church, here's the challenge. Keep focused on Jesus. Keep focused on Jesus. So we're going to even sing to that end. May Christ be magnified. Father, I ask that you would show up as you already are because you're here. But God, that your spirit would be felt among us. Like the rustling of the wind. God, help those molecules to clash. Resulting in wisdom, resulting in peace, resulting in joy and the long-suffering God, I pray for addictions to be gone in the name of Jesus through the work of your Spirit. Father, I pray for restoration of relationships to be healed. We pray for miraculous healing so that you would be glorified and people might see how good you are. But God, and through all and above all, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you are glorified. So in your name we pray. Amen.